Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and all are welcome here. We welcome all persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. If you're visiting with us this morning, I want to offer you a special welcome. We're glad you're here. We come from a long tradition that sees a spark of the divine in each person. So it's in that spirit that I ask you to greet the holy among us by turning to your left and your right and welcoming your fellow churchgoers here this morning. Please say with me our words for lighting the chalice in light of truth and the warmth of love we gather to seek, to find, and to share. O spinner, weaver of our lives, your loom is love. May we who are gathered here be empowered by that love to weave new patterns of truth and justice into a web of life that is strong, beautiful, and everlasting. Unitarian Universalism is a religion without creed. There isn't a written-out statement of belief that we all have to sign on to and agree to. We draw from many traditions. What we hold in common is a set of principles, a set of religious values, and at this congregation, a shared purpose. It's our mission. We put it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Let us make this earth a heaven right here, right now. Who knows what existences death will bring? Let us create a heaven here on earth where love and truth and justice reign. Let us welcome all at our pearly gates, our freedom table, amid singing and great rejoicing. Black, white, yellow, red, all our lovely colors. Straight, gay, transgendered, bisexual, and all the ways of loving each other's bodies. Blind, deaf, mute, healthy, sick, variously abled. Young, old, fat, thin, gentle, cranky, joyous, sorrowing. Let no one feel excluded. Let no one feel alone. May the rich let loose their wealth to reign upon the poor. May the poor share their riches with those too used to money. May we come to venerate the earth, our mother, and tend her with wisdom and compassion. May we make our earth an Eden, a paradise. May no one wish to leave her. May hate and warfare cease to clash in causes too old and tired to name. Religion, nationalism, the false, false god of gold, deep-rooted ethnic hatreds. May these all disperse and wane. May we see each other's true selves. May we all dwell together in peace and joy and understanding. Let us make a heaven here on earth before it is too late. Let us make this earth a heaven for each other's sake. This is the part of our service where we breathe together. We enter a time of reflection, prayer, or meditation. Breathing together, we flow into that deeper 
wiser place, that spark of the divine within each of us. In this time of great ups and downs in our world, of emotional highs and lows like mighty waves being stirred by gusting winds from differing directions, we seek a steadier place, calmer waters within which to replenish our spirits, within which to renew ourselves before we go back out into the swells and valleys between justice realized and murderous acts of racial hatred, churches burning. We enter that deeper place together and breathing together, breathing in and breathing out, we find stillness. We find that which sustains us. We glimpse that which is so much larger than ourselves, and yet we know the fullness, the wonder of being a part of it. Breathing together, we enter a time of silence together. So all three of your ministers here at First UU Church of Austin were in Portland, Oregon last week, including last Sunday, to attend our annual Unitarian Universalist General Assembly. As the first of us to be back in the pulpit, I thought I should just ask, anything of much significance happened while we were gone? Oh yeah, the whole Supreme Court legalizing same-sex marriage across the country thing happened. And let me tell you, there was some celebrating going on in Portland, and that was in addition to their annual nude bicycling festival that was happening at the same time. When the news came out, it electrified the atmosphere where thousands of Unitarian Universalists from across the country had gathered for our assembly, and I think rightly so. I think we can rightly claim that though Relatively small in number, we have long been strong advocates for LGBT persons, culminating in our Standing on the Side of Love advocacy campaign, which has publicly and vocally supported marriage equality. Thank you. Love won. We were a part of it, and that is certainly worth celebrating. Once again this year, a theme that emerged repeatedly at General Assembly was how storytelling could both help us work for social change and nourish our own spirits. Telling our own stories and hearing those of others sharing our stories can be such a powerful way of reaching across lines of otherness, borders that divide us, ways of raising social consciousness and creating religious experiences. So, in the light of all this, I'd like to shift a little from what I had planned for this Sunday and share with you a part of my own marriage equality story. I call it The New X-Files, Chris and Wayne Got Married. (laughs) Wayne and I have been together 24 years now, and several years back we decided to get legally married 
Back then, only a handful of states in the U.S. recognized same-sex marriage. So we decided to go to Vancouver, Canada instead because, well, it's kind of a fun place, so we just wanted to do that. I was pretty new to lay leadership here at First UU Austin at the time, and my call to ministry was then a very faint voice, only beginning to emerge, or actually re-emerge, but more on that later. Having left the Southern Baptist religion of my childhood far behind and embracing a very rationalistic, science-based worldview, I was at the time struggling with how or even whether I could find a way to redefine and re-embrace terms like God, even metaphorically. On the Friday we were supposed to start our trip to Canada, Wayne got a call that his sister, whom we have now lost, was in the hospital with heart failure. We decided to go ahead and go to the airport, but we didn't know whether we'd end up actually getting on the plane or whether we'd have to cancel the whole trip. Wayne was on and off of his cell phone the whole way to the airport as we were trying to get there. Just as we got to the airport, he got a call. She had stabilized. We boarded our plane and started our journey to get married. Surely nothing could stop us now. We made the connecting flight in Denver, but shortly after taking off to go to Vancouver, the smell of something electrical burning filled the plane, and it started to get very, very hot in the cabin. The pilot came over the PA system and told us that the plane was going to go back to Denver due to an electrical malfunction in the air conditioning and heating system. In other words, it was on fire, or at least about to be. A young woman named Tiffany, who was sitting in the seat between us, gave me a very worried look and then downed the Vodka 7 she had just ordered. And then the pilot came back on and announced that we were going to make an emergency landing in Cheyenne, Wyoming instead. By now, it had gotten so hot in the cabin that a woman near the front of the plane had passed out and fallen across the aisleway. I thought to myself, so this is it. I was right all along. There is no God, and we're never going to get married because we're about to die in a fiery crash in some cornfield in Wyoming. I don't even know if there really are cornfields in Wyoming, but that's the image that popped into my mind. We started a very scary, very bumpy descent. Tiffany asked me if I would hold her hand, so I did. She squeezed it so hard that the pain temporarily knocked me out of my existential crisis. As we neared the ground, Tiffany noticed that her cell phone had a signal, so she let go of my hand and dialed her fiancé. We're making an emergency landing. I think the plane is on fire, and I'm not sure we're going to make it. I'm living a nightmare. Miss Tiffany, call me later. (laughs) We landed. The plane was bigger than the hangar at the airport. They pulled up some metal stairs to the exit door and hurried us off of it, asking us to please pick up any rolling luggage as we went past the woman who was still sprawled in the aisleway. They got her out. She was okay, too. There was a bar in the little tiny airport hangar, and it was still open. (laughs) There is a great and merciful God, and she provides comfort in our times of great difficulty. Finally, they gave us our luggage, loaded us in buses, and took us back to Denver, where we would get on a new flight to Vancouver very early the next morning. 
But now we were faced with a new challenge. The marriage licensing agents in Canada closed at noon on Saturdays, so we were going to have to rush to make it to get to one on time so that we could get the paperwork that the person who would marry us on Sunday would then sign and make it all legal. Our flight to Vancouver was uneventful, and we rushed through the airport trying to make it through customs, get our luggage, pick up a rental car, and get to the closest licensing agent. We hit customs only to find that there was a large group of rather heavy-set men with gray hair and full gray beards wearing a variety of red and white outfits or T-shirts with Christmas themes. <laughs> Apparently, we had arrived in Vancouver just in time for the people who play Santa Claus each Christmas annual convention. Most of them were accompanied by plumped, rosy-cheeked Mrs. Clauses, one of whom was wearing a T-shirt with red lettering that said, biker chick. Her Santa's shirt said, naughty or nice? Wayne gave me a look that said, if there is a God or a divine presence in the universe, it has a sick sense of humor. We made it through customs, grabbed our luggage and a rental car, and made it to the licensing location with just barely enough time left. I parked the car, threw a coin in the meter, and we practically sprinted to the place. We both signed where required on the paperwork, and then all that was left was to fill out the details and pay the fee. We agreed that Wayne would do that part while I would make sure there was enough time on the meter for us to have lunch nearby. I went back outside and walked over to the car. And then unexpectedly, as I was glancing at my watch to see how much time I would need to add to the meter, my eyes suddenly filled with tears. I couldn't stop it. I was so overwhelmed with joy. As we were having lunch later, Wayne started telling me about how he had looked up at the clock as they were finishing the paperwork and said, we're really going to get married, his eyes filling with tears. I asked him what time that had been. It was the exact same moment that I had been experiencing the exact same thing. Perhaps the divine exists in an interconnectedness that is so much more complex and vast and powerful than we can fully understand. Maybe the divine is what happens when we love each other beyond our ability to express it in words. The next day, in a beautiful historic home on the Vancouver Bay, a wonderful woman conducted our wedding service for us. An adorable dog named Marley broke into the room and sat right beside us, our little best man with a squeaky toy in his mouth, which he occasionally chomped down on, causing it to punctuate key elements of the ceremony with a loud squeak, followed by lots of laughter. It was perfect and beautiful, and it still fills my soul with joy that is indescribable to remember it. I think that like our struggle to get married and the larger struggle for marriage equality and indeed any social justice movement, we have to keep at the journey. We have to know that the struggle for justice itself has inherent value. It is worth it, even though sometimes we will lose people who were on the journey with us. We have to keep going, even when it seems like this world upon which we travel in life is burning. And we're not sure 
that will ever get to the destination. And sometimes the absurdities in life will throw Santa Claus conventions in our pathway to slow us down. So too, though, will we find comfort in our connections with each other. We will cry together and we will laugh together when angels like Marley bring joy into our lives. Yesterday was Independence Day, and it feels like the words in that Declaration of Independence, the values expressed all those years ago, have come one step closer to actually being realized. That all of us are created equal, endowed with certain inalienable rights. Wayne and I, as well as married same-sex couples across the country, are now legally protected in the same way that any other married couple would be. We can't be thrown out of the hospital if one of us gets sick. We now have the same inheritance rights as other married couples. We now have the same federal benefits. Perhaps more importantly for me, It feels like we've made a giant step forward to being recognized as full citizens, as full human beings. Yet, my friends, there is still much to be done. In 28 states, it is still legal to fire someone simply for being gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered. Trans lives and their rights and dignities are still under assault, both figuratively and literally. If Wayne and I were to drive less than an hour in almost any direction from here, stop at a restaurant, and while there, display the same affection toward one another any married heterosexual couple might do, we would likely be placing ourselves in danger. No, we would be placing ourselves in danger. While we've been celebrating the Supreme Court decision on marriage equality, eight African-American churches in the South have been burned down. Police have assaulted and killed more unarmed African-Americans, including two children run over during a high-speed chase through a residential African-American neighborhood. So our work is not done, and we have to find ways to sustain it. And I think... Our successes with marriage equality contain the seeds of how we might do that. When I was only five years old, I told my mother I was going to be a minister when I grew up. I used to record sermons on this little cassette tape recorder my parents had given me. Later, though, after rejecting the religion of my childhood, I didn't have a context within which to imagine a call to the ministry. I've since realized that the work I did most of my adult life in the nonprofit world and in theater were sort of a way to try to put together a secular ministry of sorts. It wasn't until I found this church and this religion that I was able to rediscover that call, a church and a religion that, unlike the one I had left those many years ago, recognizes the inherent worth and dignity of all people, a church and a religion where a gay man can offer whatever gifts he might have for the ministry, and those gifts will be accepted in a spirit of love. This church and this religion gave me back my calling in life. Reimagine this church and this religion gave me God back.
And in doing so, it transformed my life. And folks, I want our faith to be a faith that is transformative for so many other people, especially those who still suffer oppressions and need a church that will welcome them with open arms and a great love for all of humanity. Folks, like a young African-American woman that I encountered while at General Assembly. Our wonderful youth group had put together an action of immediate witness. This was a call for Unitarian Universalist support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, these kinds of actions required debate and a vote by the delegates attending the assembly. We had a long and at times painful debate with a group of us standing in solidarity with the youth and with representatives from the Black Lives Matter movement to pass the action of immediate witness worded as they had presented it. A number of amendments had been offered that would change the wording in a way that, in our view, would have watered it down and made it more comfortable for white people. In the end, it passed overwhelmingly with only minor amendments. As we stood together chanting, Black Lives Matter, I noticed that the young woman was crying. I hadn't really met her, though we'd been standing together in a group of folks throughout the debate, but I put a hand on her shoulder, trying to provide her some comfort. She threw both of her arms around me, pulled me into a hug, and holding on to me, started really weeping. I put an arm around her. She said, I was so scared they weren't going to pass it. And suddenly I found myself placing my other arm around her and saying, I was scared too. And though I hadn't known it until that moment, I was scared. Afraid. Because had it not passed, my religion would have so greatly disappointed, so greatly hurt our youths and those allies from Black Lives Matter. It would have so greatly fallen short of the religion I believe we can be. It would have hurt and disappointed me. I had reached out to minister to her, and instead, by being so authentic, with a total stranger, by opening up a space where I could get in touch with my own vulnerability, she had ministered to me. And my friends, I think maybe it starts there. Two strangers standing in that great big assembly hall holding each other and telling each other our truths, our fears, being fully human with each other. I think this is the love that we can cultivate in this church and this religion by sharing our fears, our stories, our fragilities that make us human and let us see each other as human. I think this is the love that we then carry outward into our world and that transforms itself into justice, just as it did with marriage equality and the standing on the side of love. Campaign. So, may our well-deserved and much-needed celebration 
also renew our commitment to standing on the side of love for all people. May it rekindle and refuel a burning fire for doing justice. Amen. Now please join me in saying our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Transcendence. Connect with wonder and awe at the unity of life. Community. To connect with joy, sorrow, and service with those whose lives we touch. Compassion. To treat ourselves and others with love. Courage. To live lives of honesty, vulnerability, and beauty. Transformation. To pursue the growth that changes our lives and heals our world. These are the religious values that this church has expressed and that underlie our mission that we say together every Sunday. May you carry these values with you into your daily lives and live them out in a world that so badly needs you right now. Many, many blessings upon you. May the congregation say amen and blessed be. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.